0: Canto 7 of The Purgatory has quite a sense of drawing in, almost consolidating. Um, they've literally moved away now from the very agitated souls of those who had troubled lives and violent deaths. Um, they're with Sordello. You'll remember that Dante has um, expressed his huge lament. Um, about Italy, about Florence, about God, um, about the world of his life um, that was bitter and sarcastic as well as profoundly heartfelt. And you sense that that experience stays alive inside him through this canto now. He doesn't actually speak in this canto. And you're left with um, the shadow of his great lament, Hanging over the canto, presuming that he's a bit caught up in his inner world, separated from Virgil and Sordello. Um, Virgil and Sordello begin the canto by continuing with their embrace, their recognition of each other, um, and then um, Sordello asks, "You know who Virgil is?" Um, and Virgil reveals that he is um, the great poet. Sordello immediately says, you know, you're the glory of the Latins, Um, you have a kind of deathless fame. Um, And he then uh, not just greets Virgil, but uh, honours him as a vassal might their lord. Um, And it leads to Virgil going into um, a reflection upon his um, state, Um, not just his inner state, but his state here in purgatory ostensibly, ostensibly expressed to, to Sordello, um, but you get the sense that Sordello's not quite listening to what Virgil's saying, he's more in the afterglow of realising that he stood with Virgil, his great inspiration. Um, so there's these sort of sense of, of the three figures um, engaged in their own kind of interiority through this canto. Um, it's interesting about Virgil, um, who says a lot, Um, He talks a lot about um, how he has been called from hell, um, that he's leading um, a way up the purgatory um, on a divine mission, of course. Um, But he also talks about how he was in limbo because he um, didn't know about um, the law of love. He didn't know about the new dispensation. Um, he says that he's there by a sin of omission rather than commission um, but all the time of course we're remembering that we've already met Cato who too fall, would fall into that category and yet somehow is here um, and whilst um, Virgil himself seems quite ambivalent about his future state um, you know is he going to be going back to limbo is he going to be changed um, by this chance he has now at Mount Purgatory as well, um, enough to help him to uh, reach paradise because now he sees um, the truth of reality as it's greatly expanded um, since his own death. Um, He, in this canto, is, um, I think, reflective, but also humble. um, And maybe that is because that is the... Um, The way to use purgatory, Um, uh, you know, much as Dante is using purgatory um, in grief and lament, um, powerful and passionate. um, So, too, Virgil is using uh, purgatory to um, lament his own state, which is part of the purging because it clears the way for receiving a new state, a new state of mind which means that he can see more, know more, travel more, uh, go further. Um, Huge debate amongst the commentators about what happens to Virgil. I incline to he's changing as well. And if he's changing, he's only changing um, in one direction. So if they are talking around each other with their own preoccupations um, in this canto, um, that seems to be emphasised because... Virgil asks Sordello to be their guide to the place where, as he puts it, purgatory proper starts. Um, There's going to be a gateway that they go through, um, where indeed they move from what's often called anti-purgatory to purgatory. Um, But it's not just a literal threshold, it's also a psychological threshold where souls have gained enough focus to really work um, on um, their transformation. Um, Their wills have gathered in enough. They've turned um, to their own states enough rather than, say, being preoccupied with what happened to them in life. Um, They're not there yet, um, but Sordello agrees to be their guide. And then he tells them something which is uh, really interesting about the place they're in, um, this imaginal zone that they're in, Um, because it turns out that they can't travel by night. Um, They can only travel when the sun is in the sky. Um, And in particular, they can't travel up, further up the mountain by night, although they are free to wander around on the level they find themselves or even go down. Um, It's one of these lovely details. I love these details. Um, And what they tell us about inner life and how it differs from uh, life as we normally take it to be. Um, it can be read through these different these four levels, um, as we were talking about in the previous canto. You know, A literal level is to um, make the point that you need light to travel by, particularly when you're in a strange place, um, so it's unwise to travel by night, and you might be frightened um, and scared, so your will isn't up for it either. Um, and indeed, Virgil seems a bit alarmed um, by this new detail that he hadn't intuited, um, and so he says, "Oh, we must, you know, find this place. Please do guide us there." Um, it has the allegorical sense that you need God's light to find your way, um, the more teachy or moral um, sort of side of things. That's no doubt true too. Um, but I think it has a very um, fascinating tropological element. This aspect that when you enter and en- when you in- enter into it actually begins to really transform your sense of reality and change you. And the tropos, the turning thing here, um, is that the night actually matters quite as much as the day, but in a very different way. It is, I think, going to show itself up as a time for reflection, a time for consolidation, a time for gathering what you've learned, but also reaching the edge of what you know. So you can reach into new uncertainties, uh, ready to receive more insights. That is what happens at night. And it turns out that Dante and Virgil are going to spend three nights on Mount Purgatory. And each night, Dante is going to have a dream. This is the land of dreams. Uh, no one dreamt in hell, and in fact no one dreams in heaven. But there's something here about the pattern of light and night, um, sunshine, and the darkness, and um, that's actually crucial to people's ascent. Um, that will develop more, but we get a little intimation of it here with this detail that you can't travel further up um, the mountain by night. Um, and then, of course, there's the um, anagogic sense, which is that um, uh, the light and the night are all, as it were, daytime to the divine. Everything can be used. Um, everything is important, nothing is extraneous. Um, so they're um, just getting a hint of that as well. Now, Virgil's not thinking of all these elements himself at this moment. He's sort of somewhere, I think, in between the literal and the allegorical levels. Um, and he therefore is alarmed. He says to Sordello, please take us to this place. And Sordello says, yes, it's just a little bit further up here. Um, and they come to um, arise and then see um, what's described as a rather lovely fold in the mountain. It says it's like a kind of high valley, as you see on Earth, um, and it's described in enormously vivid colours. Um, it, it, precious stones um, and glorious metals um, are used to describe and um, the colours of the grass and the trees that they see in this lovely valley, um, and. Um, It has odour too, it has scent um, that feels heavenly as well. And I think that this is a kind of intimation or a vision of what they're going to find at the top of Mount Purgatory, which is um, the sort of supernatural, by which I mean um, more than natural, the natural world gathered into its greatest um, manifestation, um, rather than, as it were, um, the... By comparison, shadowy experience of the still glorious natural world that we have here on Earth. Um, It's a sort of vision of that that they're given at this point when they step up to the lip of this valley and look into it. Then as they do so, alongside the vivid scene of nature, um, they hear human chanting. um, And it's the souls in the valley chanting the Salve Regina. Um, which is one of the anthems sung at Compline at the close of day. So it's suitable that it's being sung here. Um, It calls on the Virgin Mary, Queen of Heaven, to hear people's cries in this veil of sorrow to protect them through the night. It creates a mood, both of recollection um, and calling on help, also lament. So these are kind of appropriate moods the canto. I think that's why Virgil, Dante, Sordello are able to see them. They're in the the right state of mind for that aspect of reality to show itself up to them. Um, But it also reminds us of how the pattern of liturgy on earth, particularly the pattern that marks the day and the night, um, has a kind of repetitious quality to it as well that on earth um, it continues its round and there's a beautiful rhythm to that. Um, But also it slightly goes around and around um, in circles almost on itself. Um, And so it's a reminder too that the souls who are chanting the Salve Regina now um, are not stuck for all eternity in a place, but they are being held in this valley, perhaps by their own state of mind, Um, not thinking, for example, um, that they might climb out of it. And I think there's a bit of a um, not exactly a warning, but there's an observation here um, that um, to become too in love, you might say, with the circular round of the liturgical day and night, um, beautiful as it is, heartfelt as it is, um, it can actually lead you to stay in the same place it can lead you to stay stuck um, and i think Sordello intimates that because he tells virgil and dante that they're not going to climb down into the valley yet they're going to stay on the lip of it um, and look down gives them a vantage point um, again literally so that they can see some of the souls who are there um, but spiritually so they don't caught get caught up um, in this uh, repetition, um, you know they want to move up the mountain. Um, I guess they've already signaled that to Soldello, so he's partly telling, uh, affording them the view that means that they can observe what's going on in the valley, um, and so not just immediately descend and get caught up in it. You know, perhaps for its beauty as much as anything else. So they look down, and they see um, rulers, kings. Um, individuals who are trying to lead people in life this valley is sometimes called the valley of the rulers um, in the commentary Um, they are figures named with quite a lot of detail by soldelo by which i mean not just given their names but also there's always a detail about how they're sitting or how their face looks Um, so we have momentary quite close encounters um, with these individuals Um, they can be clearly Um, um, named from history as well. And we get the sense, as Sordello goes through half a dozen or so of these characters, that they're figures who were deeply engaged with the affairs of this world. Um, But they kind of failed in their mission. Um, They became quite tyrannical, quite brutal. They weren't very effective. Um, And they are now still, in purgatory, preoccupied with what happened to them on Earth. Um, There's a mix of melancholy and distraughtness um, that fills um, the minds of these souls. They're still, they're sitting, they're not running around with agitation, but they've got this inner preoccupation that can't quite settle. Um, They're all together in a group, but kind of lost in their own reflections as well. Um, And it's quite striking too, because um, the mood that Dante paints them with is very different from this enormously beautiful, vivid image of the valley with all its natural colours. Um, And it's almost as if these rulers can't see um, the place that they're in. Um, They're in an inner state that's not yet gathering, not yet focused, still trying to work its way out, trying to find um, a way through, as it were, the wood and the tangle. It's not so much agitation as preoccupation um, that afflicts these souls. And it's as if, for us as readers, we can see that there's beauty and shadow. We know that there's day and night, we know that there's light and darkness, um, but these souls um, aren't quite sure how to relate to that properly yet. um you know maybe that's one reason why um, they need to spend the night um in a kind of reflective state um. In order to know what that's about, in order to be able to differentiate it properly from the sunlight and the and the light, to follow the sunlight and the light wholeheartedly. Um, right at the end of the canto, two figures um, uh, are named by Sordello that just feel slightly different. They're said to be sitting on their own, and I think that that probably signals that they are a bit more self-possessed they are a bit more consolidated in their state um, and um, interestingly one of them is henry iii of england um, a nice uh, british reference for those of us on these isles. and um, it's said of him actually that um, his branches bore good fruit um, i think this is literally that his son was edward I, who was deemed as a, um, a successful law-making king he wasn't just a tyrant um, as some of the other kings named had been, um, sort of through their failures, through their inability to rule, really. Um, so, Henry III is um, deemed to have had a good son, but also there's this sense that um, because he's putting down roots um, rather than flailing around in the affairs of state, um, that's why he's able to bear good fruits. So, it's a little um, indication as to what this canto um, is moving us, nudging us towards um, that uh, the night time, you might say, is it's time for consolidation, time to put down roots from what we know, but also to reach into new soil, new terrain. Um, And the canto very much ends with a sense of, you know, we're about to have our first night time in this strange place um, that has a slightly eerie feel because it's at once so beautiful, but Um, filled with real sorrow. Um, So what is going to happen in this night time? Are we going to see something new, something unexpected?